good day and welcome to the Climate Report, broadcasting on KVMR-FM and at KVMR-org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. I'm Martin Webb. Our lead story is actually highlighting the name change for the Energy Report, which has been broadcasting here on the world's greatest radio station, KVMR, in a monthly public affairs format for the past 15 years. Now, as we switch to a twice-monthly evening news format, it is clear that not only the format, but the mission must change slightly as well. In 2005, the Energy Report was striving to highlight important energy-related news from local to international and everything in between. And we feel confident that we helped play a part in furthering the awareness and discussion around energy and how it is a nexus of most other issues we face, from the economy to the environment to jobs, health, safety, community resiliency, and politics. And now, with energy issues well-analyzed and more well-known, especially in the face of utility-caused blackouts, utility-caused bankruptcies, and utility-caused natural disasters, most KVMR listeners are focused on an energy diet and path that suits them and their vision of the future. I'm grateful for all the listenership and support from both the station, the listeners, and fellow broadcasters who felt compelled to award the Energy Report with the highly respected Osborne Woods Community Service Award in 2017, which I remain humbly grateful for receiving. However, the world has been changing, and the mission of serving the KVMR listeners is changing as well. Whereas in 2005, when some of the most important energy news was hidden in the back of the business pages of a daily newspaper, left to be forgotten with the next daily news cycle, which is why I decided there needed to be a way to grab and spotlight the most valuable info in a regular radio show, now, in 2021, though, some of the most valuable climate news is left cast aside in the daily news cycle of politics and business. Therefore, as of this evening's broadcast, we are now going to be called The Climate Report, bringing valuable climate news and info, both local and worldwide that we feel best serves the needs of the KVMR listening public as we collectively confront the best time to address our combined impact on the natural world that we live in, which is right now. And while as a monthly daytime public affairs show, the Energy Report was done in the cheeky, opinionated vein of prior noteworthy public affairs hosts here on KVMR, such as Chamba Lane and Mike Thornton. Being now nestled within the news hour means less cheeky opinion and humor and more straight news for the listeners. Take heart, the station has allowed me the choice of ending every climate report with my own closing opinion. However, to be honest, time is of the essence on this subject, and it may be more vital to fill the half hour with as much news as we can fit. 
If you would like more of my cheeky humor and opinions, feel free to find my personal climate chats called The Balance Beam on both Facebook and Instagram. And for ongoing news and views, as well as links to articles I read here on the Climate Report program, there is the unaffiliated Facebook page, not sponsored or endorsed by KVMR, but published by me to keep the news flowing. You can search on Facebook for KVMR Energy Report, as the name changed to the Climate Report is just now taking effect on Facebook. And as always... We will continue to provide relevant and important energy news during this time, now doing so in an intentional climate context. So with all that being said, let's get to the climate report. First, some local news, revisiting the exciting countywide Beautiful Futures contests. On the last climate report, We talked about the new Beautiful Futures energy-themed contest being put on for Nevada County's families, citizens, and most importantly, their youth. For children in 4th through 12th grades, there was a writing contest, literary submissions that could be poetry, essays, or short stories. There was also an art contest where you could also submit photographs, illustrations, sculptures, paintings, Grand prizes were given for the literary and the visual arts contests. And the solar energy design contest as well was put out there for Nevada County's youth. But most importantly was the Big Bad Family Energy Prize, where participants were asked to submit a checklist of energy actions taken in their home and fill out a contest sheet to see who would come out on top for Nevada County's Family Energy Prize. Well, previously, the big night, the family energy night, was scheduled to be last Thursday, January 21st. It is this evening at 7 p.m. following this program. If you'd like more information, you can go to Facebook and search for Family Energy Night, Sustainable Energy Group, and you will be led to a place where you can find a Zoom link And that will be your local news for this evening. Because as we're talking about the climate, we have to make sure that we revisit some recent news that came out in the beginning of December. In the midst of the post-election news maelstrom, major climate reports and news was announced. And we'd like to go back and highlight these major announcements. This was from December 2nd out of The Guardian. This is on the heels of major UN climate reports. The headline says, Humanity is waging war on nature, says the UN Secretary General. Antonio Guterres lists the human-inflicted wounds on the natural world in a stark message. The article says, Humanity is facing a new war, unprecedented in history, the Secretary-General of the UN has warned, which is in danger of destroying our future before we have fully understood the risk. The stark message from Antonio Guterres follows a year of global upheaval, with the coronavirus pandemic causing governments to shut down whole countries for months at a time, while enormous wildfires, hurricanes, 
and powerful storms have scarred the globe. The UN Secretary General Guterres said, quote, Humanity is waging war on nature. This is suicidal. Nature always strikes back, and it is already doing so with growing force and fury. Biodiversity is collapsing. One million species are at risk of extinction. Ecosystems are disappearing before our eyes. Human activities are at the root of our descent toward chaos, but that means human action can help to solve it, end quote. He listed the human-inflicted wounds on the natural world, the spread of deserts, wetlands lost, forests cut down, oceans overfished and choked with plastic, dying coral reefs, air pollution, killing nine million people a year, more than the current pandemic. And the fact that 75% of new and emerging human infectious diseases have, like COVID-19, come from animals and the environment around us. Though Guterres, like his two predecessors, has frequently spoken on the dangers of the climate crisis, this was his strongest language yet. The UN was founded 75 years ago at the end of the Second World War to try to promote world peace after two devastating global conflicts. Guterres made a deliberate invocation of that original mission, applying it to the climate and biodiversity crises. He said in a virtual address entitled The State of the Planet, made at Columbia University in New York, Quote, making peace with nature is the defining task of the 21st century. It must be the top, top priority for everyone, everywhere. He said future generations would face ruin from our actions today. He said, quote, this is an epic policy test, but ultimately... This is a moral test. We cannot use our resources to lock in policies that burden future generations with a mountain of debt on a broken planet. He also put inequality firmly at the heart of the problem, warning that the poorest and most vulnerable, even in rich countries, were facing the brunt of the attack. Guterres said greenhouse gas emissions were 62% higher than when international climate negotiations began in 1990. A report from the World Meteorological Organization, which was also published the same day as the United Nations Climate Report, found that 2020 was on track to be one of the three warmest years on record globally, despite the cooling effects of the La Nina weather system. While the past decade was the hottest in human history, and ocean heat was found to be at record levels.
Even with the impacts of the coronavirus crisis, greenhouse gas emissions are set to rise again this year. However, Guterres also struck a note of hope. Many countries, including the biggest emitter, China, the EU, and the U.S. president-elect, at the time this was written in early December, Joe Biden, have adopted targets of reaching net-zero emissions around the middle of the century. Renewable energy is now cheaper than coal in many regions, and new technologies such as electric vehicles are gaining pace. Guterres said, I firmly believe that 2021 can be a new kind of leap year, the year of a quantum leap towards carbon neutrality. Sound economic analysis is our ally. He said investors and governments must seize the opportunity to flick the green switch while there was still time. He looked ahead to the vital United Nations COP26 climate talks to be hosted by the UK in 2021 as the moment when nations should make a decisive turn towards a green global economy. The Climate Action Tracker has calculated that if all of the net zero pledges made by all governments and political leaders were to all be fulfilled, temperatures would still rise by about 2.1 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. That is, above the upper limit set by the Paris Agreement of holding temperatures to no more than 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. That is regarded as the limit of safety, beyond which climate breakdown is likely to become catastrophic and irreversible. However, that depends on long-term targets set for decades hence to be fulfilled with action now. Guterres warned that pledges were not enough in themselves. He said, we need all governments to translate these pledges into policies, plans, and targets with specific timelines. This will provide certainty and confidence for businesses and the financial sector to invest for net zero. Guterres called for countries to put a price on carbon emissions, to stop investing in fossil fuels, and to phase out fossil fuel subsidies, to stop building new coal power plants, and to shift their fiscal base from taxing incomes to taxing pollution. He also said governments must act swiftly on the biodiversity crisis as the UN plans several major conferences in 2021 that will address species destruction, the oceans, food production, and cities. He said, next year gives us a wealth of opportunities to stop the plunder and start the healing. Well, the stark message from Guterres, again the United Nations Secretary General, was echoed by Laurent Fabius, the French foreign minister who led the landmark Paris conference in 2015. He said there is no vaccine 
against climate warning, warming. He said financial assistance for developing countries would be essential to foregoing a global consensus to forging a global consensus on reaching net zero emissions as it was fundamental to success at Paris. Money, 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 said Fabius, was key to the talks. And rich countries must make good on their promise to provide at least $100 billion a year to developing nations to help them cut emissions and cope with the impacts of climate breakdown. Said Fabius, along with financial assistance, governments must try to ensure that the transition to a green economy benefited all sections of society. The question of climate change is also a question of inequality. We must deal with this, otherwise we have a big problem. Well, the exact same day on December 2nd, The Guardian had two concurrent articles that were amazing and worth reading. This is the second one, with the headline, The World is Doubling Down on Fossil Fuels Despite the Climate Crisis. This, according to United Nations report. It says the world's governments are doubling down on fossil fuels, despite the urgent need for cuts in carbon emissions to tackle the climate crisis a report by the UN and partners has found. The researchers say production of coal, oil, and gas must fall by 6% a year until 2030. To keep global heating under the 1.5 degrees Celsius target agreed in the Paris Accord and avoid severe climate disruption. But nations are planning production increases of 2% a year. And G20 countries are giving 50% more coronavirus recovery funding to fossil fuels than to clean energy. And I want to say to the KVMR listeners as a quick aside, it's easy to sometimes get confused about the temperatures being referred to for the Paris Climate Agreement. What we do know is science is indicating that we should aim for 1.5 degrees Celsius as our limit which we are rapidly approaching. News just reported that we are now at 1.25 degrees warming. However, the Paris Climate Accord had difficulty getting everyone to agree to 1.5 degrees. And instead, there is a range that will allow the heating to go all the way up to 2 degrees Celsius, beyond which things likely will be catastrophic and irreversible. So sometimes when you hear me reading news reports, the previous article kept referring to 2 degrees Celsius as the goal for the Paris Climate Agreement. Another article written the same day by the same news organization referring to the same Paris Climate Agreement is suddenly saying it has a 1.5 degree target. So the Paris Climate Accord has a range. They say let's try for 1.5, But if we've got to let it go till 2, let's do that. So you'll hear a low end of 1.5, which we're almost at, and you'll also hear the top end of 2. Back to this article. It says here, the COVID-19 pandemic is expected 
to cut fossil fuel production in 2020 by 7%, the report says. But this barely changes the total fossil fuel production that's expected by the end of the decade in 2030. Countries currently are on track to produce more than double the amount of fossil fuels consistent with a 1.5 degrees Celsius limit by 2030. I'm going to read that sentence again. Countries are on track to produce more than double the amount of fossil fuels consistent with a 1.5 degrees Celsius limit by 2030. The challenge of deliberately cutting fossil fuel production every year by similar amounts to that forced by a global pandemic lockdown is large. But a managed wind-down can help repair the global economic damage by creating many new clean energy jobs, the researchers say. A lead author of the report says the pandemic-driven plunge in oil prices in 2020 has once again demonstrated the vulnerability of many fossil fuel-dependent regions and communities. Alas, in 2020, we saw many governments doubling down on fossil fuels. Instead of governments letting these fossil fuel projects die, they resurrect them from death. It's kind of zombie energy. Well, the head of the UN Environment Program, Inger Anderson, said, quote, with governments injecting trillions into their economies, we find ourselves at a critical juncture where decisions can either further lock in fossil fuel energy systems or transition us to a cleaner and safer future. This year's devastating forest fires, floods, and droughts serve as powerful reminders for why we must succeed. Well, another author of the report, Michael Lazarus of the Stockholm Environment Institute, said, the research is abundantly clear that we face severe climate disruption if countries continue to produce fossil fuels at current levels, let alone at their planned increases. The report says that G20 governments have committed over $230 billion in COVID-19-related funding to encourage fossil fuel production and consumption. $230 billion. Far more than the $150 billion found to be going towards clean energy. But at the same time, the report found that between the years of 2020 and 2030, global coal oil, and gas production must respectively fall by 11%, 4%, and 3% every year. That's coal, oil, and gas, 11%, 4%, and 3% a year reductions for the next decade in order to meet the lower 1.5 degrees Celsius target. Well, the assessment of future fossil fuel production is based on the most recent published energy plans by eight key countries that produce 60% of the world's fossil fuels. Australia, Canada, China, India, Indonesia, 
Norway, Russia, and the United States. The report also sets out how policymakers can start a gradual decline in production, including ending fossil fuel subsidies and supporting affected communities into new jobs. Said Lazarus, again one of the co-authors, it's a matter of recognizing that fossil fuels are no longer the economic powerhouse they used to be, and I think we're beginning to see that happen. Mary Robinson, a former UN climate envoy, said, working together, governments, companies, and investors can bring forward a managed decline in a way that minimizes disruption and ensures a just transition for workers and communities. Another United Nations Environment Program representative, Nicholas Hagelberg, said governments are injecting trillions of dollars into their economies. This is money borrowed from future generations. If we keep on investing into fossil fuels, we're going to give our children not only a planet in its worst state, but also wasted money. The report has prompted a coalition of NGOs, non-governmental organizations, including Global Witness, Friends of the Earth, and Carbon Tracker, to write to the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who will be hosting a critical United Nations climate summit this year in November, calling on him to show climate leadership by announcing that the UK would abandon its policy of maximizing the economic recovery of all of its oil and gas reserves. The letter added, the world and its people are looking to the UK for climate leadership. We must not fail them. Well, and lastly, in fresh hot off the presses news, this just came uh, on the wires yesterday on Wednesday, January 27th. It says the UN global climate poll is clear. The voices people, the, the people's voice is clear. They want action. The biggest ever opinion poll on climate change, globally done, has found two-thirds of people across the world think it is a global emergency. The survey shows people across the world support climate action and gives politicians a clear mandate to take the major action needed, according to the UN organization that carried out the poll. The UN Development Program, the UNDP, questioned 1.2 million people across 50 countries, many of them young. And while younger people showed the greatest concern, with 69% of those aged 14 to 18 saying there is a climate emergency, 58% of those over 60 agreed, suggesting there is not a huge generational divide. And even when climate action required significant changes in their own country, majorities still backed the measures. In nations where fossil fuels are a major source of emissions, people strongly supported renewable energy, including in the U.S., with 65% of people polled in favor of climate action and supporting renewable energy, 76% of people in Australia, and 51% in Russia. And where the destruction of forests is a big cause of emissions, people supported conservation of trees, with 60% support in Brazil 
and 57% in Indonesia. Overall, the most popular actions to tackle the climate crisis were protecting and restoring forests, followed by renewable energy and climate-friendly farming. The promotion of plant-based diets was the least popular of the 18 policies in the survey, with only 30% report support. Well, that's it for today's Climate Report. My name is Martin Webb. Stay tuned. We've got more great programming in store for you, and we'll be back the second Thursday at 6.30 here on KVMR with more climate news.